This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, 19 months into the pandemic, and there's still lots of questions to be asked about the state of small business. Many of them are in rebound mode, although having to make pivots to adjust to several new realities. Others obviously closed their doors for good, but who knows? They may be trying to start a new business in the near future. Pleasure once again to discuss these topics and more with Barbara Corcoran. You see her as one of the sharks on Shark Tank. She's also a real estate expert, founder of the Corcoran Group, and host of the Business Unusual podcast, which, by the way, is also part of a webinar series, which is continuing with a look at the hospitality sector. Barbara, great to talk to you again. Pleasure to be with you again, Dan. So a larger scale, 30,000-foot view, your thoughts on small business right now with everything that these businesses have had to deal with over the last 18 to 19 months? Well, I really think the worst is behind us, without a doubt. I, and I think that's because we've had a year of learning, a year of small businesses knowing how to put the right tech in place to meet the expectation of the customer, and that expectation has totally changed. They want everything easy. They want everything fast. They want everything immediate. And so you need to be prepared for that. But the, remember, the last year, the businesses that did survive spent a lot of time pivoting and trying to meet those needs. So I'm not worried about them going forward. I really believe they're in the best position ever to hit the next curveball that might come their way because they're just downright used to it. Well, and I wonder if that maybe changes some of the thought process around, uh, you know, who's going to uh, really control and dominate the e-commerce uh, area over the next decade or two. If some of these small businesses have had to adjust to incorporating e-commerce, I think the expectation was it's the Amazons, the Walmarts, the Targets, of the world that were really going to control that area. Well, you know, they control a sizable chunk of all e-commerce in America. Uh, but what is so uh heartening, actually, is that small businesses can control their turf. They can control who they're selling to. They could do an outreach that's extremely local and affordable. They don't have to battle off the big guys. They can etch a little market for themselves that accommodate their own business. So I think that's something that people didn't expect. A lot of businesses threw in the towel, small businesses thinking, oh, we got to give up. The big guys have it taken. That's not true. The little business can serve the consumer in a more intimate way they could communicate in a more intimate way, and that is actually the subject of our seminar today. It's how to get closer to your customer. And we're not yeah. aiming at the big Amazons of the world. We're aiming at helping the small business person spend very little money and get in control of their customer and do a better job of it. Well, and I think that's the connection with small business anyway, is that one-to-one, face-to-face uh, that really a, a lot of consumers like. That's in part, I think, why we see so much around Small Business Saturdays, uh, you know, at different times during the year. Absolutely. You know, people uh, identify with small business owners. They don't identify with the people who own Amazon or the stockholders or the founders. They just don't do it. So if they, they see a business that is sincere in their local marketplace, whether it be online and looks local to them or whether it be down the corner on the street, People want to see those people do well. And so they rally around them, they, they support them, and they'll listen to change. So it's, it's just really, you know, it's really a, a, a wonderful shift that has only happened in the last year and a half. It would not have happened without COVID. It's a silver lining. So that's what it is. Well, but you, you still have the challenge for them of the ease and the quickness with, you know, a lot of the big retailers uh, that uh, people will rely on. And so that shift to e-commerce by small business helps them uh, hopefully alleviate some of that, correct? 
It sure does. And you know what else has been a real change with a lot of small retail businesses is they've really made their footprint so much smaller so that the shop is almost a showcase and they ship out the inventory. So they're not paying for the rent. They've learned how to do business much smarter at less cost. And then on yeah. top of that, because they have so much of their back office on a technology platform, they've learned how to spend money so wisely on little technology changes that make all the difference. But I think to do that, people don't have the knowledge base. So you have to have a trusted tech partner like AT&T Business so that you get real advice that accommodates you, not something that's going to just sell you stuff, you know. And so, that has been the, what has happened in recent years, a lot of, too much of. So it's one thing to you know to give these types of uh, advice points to the small business owner who's been in operation for a long time. What are you saying to the entrepreneur who's just starting out? Is it much the same at this point? No, I'm saying to the entrepreneur who starts out that that person's the lucky person in town. Because when you start out and you have no memory, you have no deficit. You're not thinking or comparing to how things were done before. You walk out onto the platform, onto the street, you open your store, you open your restaurant, whatever your business is, and you're open because you see customers and what their expectations are for the first time. And so you meet those needs. The people who are doing better today are the new businesses than the old businesses. And I think so much of it has to do with they don't have preconceived notions as to how they're going to make people happy. They listen at the curb. They know how they're going to make someone happy, and they meet those needs. I think one of the big questions during the pandemic, at least maybe early on, is obviously we saw a lot of people lose their jobs and they were looking for you know something that they could do and they would start up a side business. And the question was whether or not those side businesses were really going to develop into something longer term or if they were really just kind of a short-term fix. I think that's, that's going to be a dynamic I think that's going to be important to find out more about as we move along here. I agree with you, and I think a little of that's already coming out in the wash. You know, the, the real difference between uh, a side gig that can become a business and a side gig that won't is whether it makes any money. And it, as a side, side business, people often don't focus on, am I making a buck, am I making a profit? But once you're in it full-time, you have to live off that business, so you have to know. But you have to ask the question, are people buying this? Is there a need for the business? And can I actually, if I keep on this path, start paying my overhead and make a living? And that knocks out, I'd say, 75% of those side businesses. But the ones that survive have the huge advantage of trying it out before they put both feet in. Well, and then also there's the idea of kind of what that that business plan is going to look like. And I would think in the scope of what was going on with the pandemic, there probably weren't a lot of people thinking, you know, five-year business plan. They were probably thinking five-month survival. God, are you right on that one? Let me tell you something, not even five months. In my mind, I've always felt that a business plan is overrated because the minute you take it to the street and see your first obstacle, you find out what's wrong with it, you know? But that, again, is a great advantage new business people are having right now. They're going out expecting their environment to change quickly. They don't know what's around the corner, so they don't make these long-term plans. Instead of being book smart, they're street smart, and they react to the obstacles that they encounter, and they turn on a dime and think, okay, how do we do it differently? That's a great advantage to be able to change because your attitude is one open to change. This gives me a chance to kind of pivot, uh, using a term we've all used a lot, uh, to another area that that you're very well uh, spoken on is real estate. And because you have all of these these new businesses coming online, and the expectation is that a lot of it will be through e-commerce, the question of commercial real estate is really one I think that has 
uh, a lot of focus right now as to where that's going to be over the next you know, 10 to 20 years. What are your thoughts? Well, it's already going through the giant shakeout, the likes of which I've never seen before. You know, commercial real estate is the sector of the market that's been hardest hit for a million reasons. Well, not a million, but a, a number of very solid reasons. One, uh, less people are coming to the office. Uh, two, uh, uh, tenants are walking away from leases, whether they be a small business or a large business. They're negotiating or just plain out walking away. Uh, third, uh, all the retail shops, which is part of the commercial sector as well, are needing smaller spaces because they're not housing inventory in their storefronts anymore. They're behind the scenes. They're sending the inventory in various sizes from their online uh, shop, which doesn't take up any commercial space anymore. And most importantly, people are not committing to new commercial leases right now. They're stalling, getting a little extension on their lease because they don't really know what the they don't know what the landscape is going to look like uh, five yeah. months from now. Whether the employees are going to want to be back, what kind of space they have to build. So everybody's in a wait and see attitude, and when that happens, it really shakes down prices and creates tremendous uncertainty on the part of property owners. You know, it's interesting you say that because where I am in the suburbs of Philadelphia, there's a property that was built just before the pandemic, a mixed use, uh, you know, some uh, townhomes and then businesses on the on the first floor. And and you see a lot of those business spaces may have the, the, the name of the company on it, but it's still very much empty. And it does leave you to believe that there's still of hesitancy with that property. So you may even have companies that were ready to lock in or did lock in pre-pandemic, and it's a whole different world right now. Let me tell you, anyone who had just locked in or about to lock in commercial space in the pandemic or right before the pandemic stalled and didn't do a thing. And they're wise to do that because the power is in the hand of the tenant. It's, it's, I don't think I've ever seen any real estate market where the commercial owner has lost the power. Even when residential markets were bad, commercial owners held power and the banks held power over them. But now it's not that way. The tenant's in charge. The tenant calls the shots. The tenant gets free rent. The tenant decides he wants a two-year lease versus a 10-year lease. And this is up and down the pike, whether it be a giant company or a small company. Nothing has really... Uh, been ever the same again, and I think it's going to be a long haul before that changes. And, you know, you're giving me an idea. We should share, probably on another AT&T business uh, webinar, which are so well-received, I think we should probably be attacking that subject in the future because so many people are interested in it. And technology plays such a big part in the small businesses as to what they could do differently to accommodate their customers versus signing long-term expensive leases on spaces. Well, Barbara, please go ahead and do that. Just throw me a little credit all on the right. side. It's some, it's somewhere I'm during that webinar, okay? It. it was all my idea. That's it. But you can get all the past <laughs> webinars on demand. Now, remember, you just dial 888-BARBARA.COM. Not dial it, put it in. 888-BARBARA.COM, and you can see every webinar and every great subject. We don't waste people's time. Barbara, great to talk to you again, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. Same here. Barbara Corcoran, one of the sharks on Shark Tank, founder of the Corcoran Group, host of Business Unusual Podcast, as we mentioned, that, that uh, business webinar series with AT&T Business, Business Unusual. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.